week you want to talk about a story I wrote last week, and I don't really remember what it is. So well, let's be real. The news, the news, the news uh, situation in middle of February right now is not great. I mean, we've had another Dutch fine, but we've already talked about the Dutch <laughs> app store fines <laughs> to, to length of the last like three consecutive episodes. There wasn't really anything changing in the, the thing this week there's been no like developments from apple's policy they just you know the dutch slapped them with another 10 million dollar fine or whatever so mm-hmm. we're, we're more of a thoughts episode and you did a post last week about audio and how audio is handled like on ios and particularly on the iphone right mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, the news is there's probably going to be an apple event on march the 8th so don't buy things that will probably be in that apple event like the ipad air uh, or or an iPhone SE or you know low end Max I guess <laughs> that's the news uh, and so so then we we go to the thoughts um, what I, what I read about was like I think my headline was something like this is the most annoying thing on the iPhone right now which is like a little bit clickbaity but I mean I, I, I for for that week it was for me I mean it's kind of true like, it's it's really annoying like I like the iPhone's really good right mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. everyone you know if if you're a um someone who doesn't like I, one of my tweets got on reddit the other day and the mm. top comment was like this guy's such an idiot he just complains about everything and <laughs> well, it's like well <laughs> yeah, but the problem is individual tweets are like you know it's out of context like like the point is we love this stuff most of it's great but the whole point of why you love it too much is then you get annoyed or you criticize or you you know you critique mm-hmm. the stuff that isn't so good and you can only say stuff's fantastic so much like we say the macbook pro is fantastic we say this is fantastic but you know we're a we're in in the weeds apple podcast and so at that point you have to you have to dig in deep and that generally leads to you know not negativity but criticism about stuff that needs improving because it gets boring if you just say these four things are great over and over again so anyway here's my writing process if uh and sometimes i go all the way with this but if i have a thought that i want to tweet as like a way to express something you know i don't like tweets that are like is it just me or you know it's like probably isn't just you. I, I like more like this is this is pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. Don't we all agree? <laughs> so yeah. Uh, what what this was is um you know I listen to music on my phone, podcasts on my phone, and and I've, pretty regularly I would in in different apps I would get interrupted by audio. You know the the, the main offender was Twitter, and it was like a sponsored tweet with an auto playing video would would pause my audio, and then I would you know quit the Twitter app because it's like, oh, it's not, it's, it's bugging out, resume my audio. And then I'd open it again and it would happen again. It's like, well, I guess I can't just, I, I'm not going to browse Twitter and listen to a podcast or music. Like <laughs> I have to choose between the two. Um, and, and so that was the idea. Um, a lot, a lot of, there was some feedback that was like, well, you can turn off those auto playing ads deep in the settings on within the Twitter app, you know, which was besides the point. It was that this happens on other apps, you know, whether it's Facebook or, um, Instagram or, you know, for a big one for me was, is, um, is, is just Safari, you know, browsing different websites. If you don't use an ad blocker, I don't, then, um, you're, you're going to get, you're going to have some interruptions <laughs> in auto playing video ads. And so, um, my, my thing was like this, this suggestion, which is pretty aggressive, but, but of saying, you know, um, I would, I would like for the, the now playing music, like at audio source to be, sort of penned like this is the audio source and nothing can interrupt it or like you know almost like like rotation lock on the iphone like you Mm -hmm. know you you lock in your orientation on the iphone nothing can rotate it you know um like that but but for the audio play uh audio player uh and then like you know toward the end of it i kind of got into the well you know that's probably not going to happen so what's more likely well what should happen is that on the mac you can you can have an auto playing video ad in the background and still listen to a podcast or play music or do all three things at once um and it's really the shortfall here is that um you know the iphone and, and more importantly the ipad can't handle two audio streams at once you can't um you know one will interrupt the other and then you're then you're kind of you know, you hope that it just resumes the way it's supposed to, but a lot of times the the original audio source will fall out of memory, and and you're stuck in that loop. So that, yeah. that was that was my complaint last week. I forgot about it, but thanks for the reminder. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, this is a big. This is one of my top issues with iOS is audio management. Like, just taking the exact issue that you that obviously triggered your post. It's you're you're competing against like design priorities that aren't necessary incentive incentives to make the user experience the best thing like auto playing ads i think everyone would agree that if it's just pure user experience 
ads aren't ads shouldn't auto play but why do they want to play in all these apps because that's what drives money that drives engagement right and so the system policy of let's just let each individual app uh you know announce that oh it needs to take audio control now and just immediately cut out everything else that was fine and it worked well in the early days of the iphone when apps were less complicated even like the the policy of oh you're in one app the audio is playing you switch to a different app the audio keeps going then you play something in that app and it stops the other it stops everything else that is a policy that existed before the iphone had an app store right and that was incredibly simple because you could go to safari play some audio go to the background go to the music app or what it was called back then like the ipod app play and then when you press play in the ipod up it naturally stopped what you listen to in safari which is fine but the whole stack is so much more complicated and it's been like this way for a while but as as the bigger fish get ticked off the to-do list you start getting into these niggles that then become even more frustrating and prominent problems because you know like back in the day it was like well apple really needs to fix notifications or proper multitasking or you know the redesign or this other stuff that's like a pain or widgets and then as they tick off these big ticket items all of the smaller experience stuff becomes it just feels even more impactful to your everyday experience because everything else gets so much better and so audio is like one of the top things for me where and twitter is where i get it like i haven't bothered to turn off the settings most normal people don't bother to turn off the autoplay settings and if I'm just playing something in a podcast, I scroll around Twitter. Oh, my audio stopped. Great. Like, <laughs> what? And most of the time, it's not even because the, like, I get it when the video auto plays, but there's no sound. Like yeah, the video, like the the, the, ad, the advertisement isn't actually emitting sound, but it still stops the background audio. And this applies not just to listening directly with headphones. It also applies to AirPlay as well. Like yep. you AirPlay content out then depending on exactly what you do in a certain app, it can then cut out your AirPlay experience and it feels terrible. And there's no system or rule you can like learn, look up or teach because every app handles it slightly differently and this, the iOS like frameworks and platform just say, okay, we're just going to let, we're just going to trust that every app on the platform is a good citizen. They're going to do this properly. They're only going to take audio control when it's actually intended. And unfortunately, that freedom gets abused. And there clearly needs to be some override or something a, a, a person can say, look, no, I don't want it to work this way. If you're only going to support one audio stream at a time. And so something like a rotation lock where you're you're playing some media and you you know press a button in control center and it just means that it can't change across, that would fix the problem. I don't think it's the best user experience. Maybe there'd be like a like somewhere deep in the settings, there's like an auto... Because if you go into settings, there's like an autoplay option, which is just like a, a guidance that apps can ignore. But maybe if there was some like accessibility control, which is like audio priority, and you like put some apps in order, and that means that no matter what, if, if, an, if the app at the top of your priority list is playing background audio, an app below it cannot. It's just not allowed to. And so this would be off by default, but if you're you know, a hardcore user, if something really frustrates you, you have some way to dig in somewhere and turn it off because apple has loads of settings like that like of all sorts of esoteric things whether you're like most of them in the name of accessibility like white point or text size and stuff but there's some really random things especially with notifications like apple offers has no restraint in offering a bazillion different detailed notification fine-grained options for notifications per on a per app basis or a system basis and then there's other parts of the system where it's like this is how it works you have no control whatsoever good luck and an audio definitely falls in that category, and it's incredibly frustrating. The and that same policy on the iPhone, it's like, hey, one audio stream at a time, annoying, but most of the time it's fine. But you can deal with it. It's a phone, right? That same exact same policy applies to the iPad as well. And and the iPad literally has side by side multitasking, but only one audio can play. Like you can literally have two windows on the screen at the same time, but only one audio thing's happening. Yeah. Same processor as the Mac and everything. You can put it in a, <laughs> in a keyboard case and make it a little laptop and, or a big laptop. And like the Mac has so many cool affordances for audio. Like they have that thing in the menu bar. If you've got multiple apps that are playing media, there's a thing in the menu bar that shows a little play icon. You click on that and then it drops down a little panel of here's the four apps playing sound right now. Maybe if iTunes is paused, iTunes is up there, but it's in you know the pause state. And you can click on directly from the menu bar. You can press resume and it can replay the music. And so it can support and manage and juggle about multiple things playing pretty well. And then it, uh, where you go to the iPhone, it's like, well, 
you leave the music app, I've completely forgotten about the music. And most of the time, what happens is if you're using a third-party audio app, you pause it, give it five minutes, ten minutes, then all of a sudden it's forgotten that you had this audio paused at all and you can't resume it without diving back into the actual application. Like, it just disappears from Control Center. And these issues or behaviors were acceptable 10 years ago when you know resources constrained the software stack and the os was still way way much more simple and less mature but in the modern era it feels like these are things that should be addressed and like one of the other cool things on the mac is in safari because you can have multiple tabs playing audio you also then get a nice little manager where it like highlights this tab's playing audio do you want to mute it right now and you can just click one button in the like tab screen and you can mute the audio Yeah, or you can like mute all other tabs just by clicking in the menu in, in the address bar, the search field. On the iPad, well, you can't even see which tabs playing audio. There's no indicator for it, and there's certainly no fine grained control. Like so much stuff could be translated to iPad OS and then in a lesser form, but still useful to iOS as well, that the Mac handles in that way. And audio is definitely close to the top of my personal frustrations for sure because there's just no way for you to avoid it like there's nothing you can do as an individual like even though we know exactly what's going to happen with twitter right now twitter offers a setting but maybe they if they in the future they didn't offer a setting you wouldn't have any control over whatsoever you just have to accept it and then any third-party application any update software update any app store update you know to the apps Depending on how they've changed their behavior, depending on what features they've suddenly decided to offer on a, on a day-to-day basis, A-B test, whatever, you have no rule or rhyme or reason to know that you're going to get interrupted. So you can't like preempt it. You can't know, okay, I can change how I'm using the phone to adapt for this. But when it happens, you're going to be like, well, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Two things. Do you remember years ago with the iPhone 6S when live photos were first introduced? Uh because live photos use the microphone to capture audio, um, the, the you'd open the camera app and take a still photo and it would pause your music. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you turned off live photos because the camera was just wired that way, I guess. And eventually they changed that, you know, before the next year. But that was a really big annoyance that you couldn't like, I don't know, play music or listen to podcasts and take a photo. <laughs> and they fixed it. That was good. Um, this is one of those situations. The other thing is... Um, I think part of what I've seen earlier and, and got got off off track for is that uh, for many stories, I'll, I'll think I'll, I'll think I have a thought, I think I can tweet this out just to get it out of my head, and then I think about it, and it's like you know this would be better as an article because I could like lay out the case for why I'm saying this and give it better context. And this was one where I was just like you know it was 7 p.m. at night, and I was just had this idea like you know this frustration, and um, it came to me, and I tweeted it out, you know, just not even thinking this could be an article, but the the, the feedback on it, like the. The, the people shaking their head, yes, me too. This is so true. It was like, okay, I, I need to like write this out in, in an article form where it's got, you know, the, the case for why this is, you know, I, I acknowledge why it is the way it is right now. This is why it should, should move forward in the future. Um, so that, that, that was the story for, for that story. Yeah. Like tweet something. If it gets some good engagement, you're even more motivated to write up as an article because you feel like other people are having the same problem for sure. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Helix. Are you sleeping on a saggy old mattress? You just deserve better than that. In fact, you might be laying on down on that exact mattress right now as you listen to this show. So if that's you, if you're in need of a mattress upgrade, that's where Helix can help. Take the Helix sleep quiz in just two minutes and get instantly matched with a mattress that is perfect for you. Tuned to your sleep preferences and body type. Helix knows that not everyone is the same. They have several different models like super soft, medium and firm mattresses. And there's even a version that is designed to cool you down if you particularly sleep hot at night. Now, I'm jealous because Zach actually got sent one of these mattresses. You did the quiz, I know, and you got sent a Helix mattress to try out. So we've spoken about this on the show before, so uh, people know. But how do you like it? Yeah, the the Helix quiz is really easy to do. It takes into account your preferences in a way that um, I wouldn't know how to express otherwise. And the result that I got was that the midnight mattress is preferred for me. And uh, it, it fits all my needs. I love it. You know, last week I was traveling and um, one thing this mattress has done is it's taken away the nicety of like going to a hotel and then being like, oh, this is a nice mattress. Like if it's like a nice hotel. Um, now I, I always just wish I was back home again, you know, and when I do come home, it's like such a relief. Um, you know, you want a mattress that you love and you don't have to think about you know, wanting to upgrade. And, and that's, that's what this mattress does for me, the Midnight Helix. So if you're looking for a mattress, just go and take the Helix quiz 
order the mattress that you'll match with, and it comes shipped to your door for free. You don't need to visit a physical store. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine. So just go right now to helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a custom mattress to give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you can try it out for 100 nights for free. And if you don't love it, they'll come back and pick it up for you. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for happy hour listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac now. That's H-E-L-I-X-S-L-E-E-P.com slash 9to5mac. Helixsleep.com slash 9to5mac. Thanks to Helix for sponsoring the show. All right. Next up is some information that you've learned this week. <laughs> I don't know that I know this. So, so uh, introduce this. I don't want to sound like big headed, but generally little tidbits or nice ease of Apple's platforms. I like to think I'm pretty up on it. But you, you, this- people like you and I, we go through the settings and we like see what's the what, what is everything you can do that you have control over, and you and, and you test can, out the limits in y- yeah, yeah a million and- ways. Discuss them generally, like because part of the reason we're so clued into this stuff is we talk about it on a podcast in beta season. Every single new feature gets analyzed and broken down, and then when it ships, you analyze it and break it down some more, so you never forget. And like it's, it's generally pretty hard for something to pass to pass me by. Uh, but this one really did, and I actually think it's like, it's so surprising that it, it that it does exist because I'll I'll just say what it is, and then it's the category of product category that gets shunned upon for, for you know for generally Apple being bad at, and yet this thing is like great. So if you have an alarm on your iPhone. And but your iPhone and your iPhone's in your hand. Obviously, you can just silence it. But if it's across the room, you can say, you know, you can activate your voice assistant and hope that the iPhone will pick it up and stop the alarm. But let's say you've got other people in your household, or the phone, you know, Siri detection isn't as good as like a actual HomePod is. But if you've got a HomePod in the same room as your as that phone that's currently going off with an alarm, you can incredibly. Ask the HomePod to stop. Just say, like, Siri, stop. And it will find out, it will realize that you're talking about the alarm that's going off on the phone nearby in the same room, and it will just turn off the alarm on the phone instead. That's pretty good. And I don't have the the Hello Siri feature turned on on my phone just because... Neither do I. Yeah, yeah, it it can get in the way. Yeah, so if if you're with a spouse or a partner in your bed and their phone's on the other side of the room, but you've got a HomePod mini up there and you just want it to shut up, just go, Siri, stop, and it will work. And I've done this. I've only found out, like, Jeff Benjamin, who works on our YouTube channel, he DM'd me about this, and he was like, is this new in iOS 15.4 beta? And I was like, I don't know. I've never, like, and I, I vaguely recalled that in a previous, like, last year, Apple added it so a HomePod mini can turn off the alarm of another HomePod in the house. So, like, if you're in the kitchen and you have a HomePod in the, the kitchen and in the lounge, like, you know, like two rooms away, you can ask the home now, you can ask the kitchen HomePod to turn off the alarm in the other room. So I remembered that, but I was like, I don't remember that mentioning about, you know, devices other than HomePods. Uh, and I looked back at the software releases and it doesn't mention it there. But some other people at 9.5 Mac were like, yeah, I do this all the time. Every day almost. <laughs> I turn off my, you know, my partner's alarm when it gets annoying. And it's just been a thing that the HomePod's been able to do for many years and it's not like an accident it's because when it first when jeff first described the behavior to him it's like did the iphone like pick it up and it just didn't respond you know but no you do it yourself the home pod literally says i turned off benjamin's iphone alarm like it, it's clear as day i turned off a device near in nearby like just a crazy little feature what's the, what's the range on on nearby like for example this morning i was getting the kids ready for school and my backup alarm went off on my phone in the bedroom and I'm like two rooms down the hall uh, or, or I'm, in, I'm in the kitchen, you know, which is just across the, the hall. And um, I just let it keep going because we were all in the kitchen and I was, you know, doing things for them that they, they needed done right then. Um, so I just kept letting it go. But had I known I could talk to the, the HomePod in the kitchen and say, you know, stop and, and it would to do that, that, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know how far it reaches, cause, but that's what it says. It's just, I turned off this nearby. And, like, maybe it's, like, Bluetooth range or something. But I, I know if you, like, if it, if it doesn't, if it's unclear, like, maybe it's, amb- or it's, or, or the HomePod thinks it's an ambiguous request, it will, like, uh, instead of just doing it in one go, it will say, do you mean turn off Benjamin's alarm? Question mark. And then you can say yes or no, and it will, 
you know, do it or not. Uh, I presume if you're like far away from it, it isn't going to do it. Uh, but I mean, that's definitely something I want to try now. I only learned about it like two days ago, but maybe I should just purposely set off an alarm upstairs, then just run back down and ask the HomePod <laughs> to turn it off and see if it see if it knows or not. Right, right. Well, that, that scenario I was talking about, that's one that I'll, I often repeat. So I'll have a chance to try it in, in real time. And like that continuity, that intelligence, that's such a cool feature. And it's so like advanced that you wouldn't think to even like ask the HomePod to do it. You know what I mean? Like everyone likes to dig on Siri for being behind and back in areas. And it is in some areas, in some domains. But in this place, it's like well exceeded expectations. <laughs> and I hope they can push that even further. Like they, they did a really nice thing. Uh, with tvos 15 where they finally got it so you can pair like you can ask a home pod to control the tv like the apple tv and so anything you can ask through the serial mode you can now pretty much ask a home pod to tell the apple tv to do and that like continuous voice assistant help where it doesn't matter which device you're actually asking the request on but it can like know and dispatch it off to the device the relevant device in your home like that's so cool and here's one manifestation of it but i hope they push it even further in the future because that's just useful. Yeah. On the topic of things that we know everything about, but we actually don't, um, two things. We'd be really good at like Jeopardy of Apple knowledge because we could just nail everything, all the trivia. Um, the other thing is today, a colleague of ours, Aaron, learned that you could do screenshots of windows, like specific windows and not just the whole screen. And I was like, yeah, this is how you do that. This is like a thing I write about how to customize it and everything. And then when I linked him the support article that's like, here's all the things you can do with screenshots, I, I read it and I learned something, which is that when you do a screenshot of, of, a, of a, a window on the Mac, you know, the way it is, is it's command shift four. And then you put your cursor over the window you want to screenshot and you hit the space bar and that selects it. Um, I learned that if you hold the option key and hit the space bar, it takes the screenshot without the shadow. Do you know what? I think I did know that, but I'd, I hadn't forgotten. I'd forgotten it. But yeah, like I've definitely done that before. It, 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 it the screenshots look a lot better though when the uh, the shadows on. Yeah, that's why he was asking me how to, how did you take a screenshot with the shadow because he liked the way they looked. And I I remember like years ago there was there was a, a terminal command that was going around where you could enter it in and it would stop doing the shadow every time. And for, for me, that was kind of preferred because I could, I could crop around it easier without having like the darkness on the edges. Um, but in this case, I didn't know you could do it without a terminal command, which I, I, you know, I, I lost that command years ago and never did it again. But to know you can, you can control in space where that was, I like, yeah, it kind of, huh. those, those non shadow screenshots are kind of annoying though. Cause like a Mac window that like the one pixel border around the entire window isn't like fully black or fully white. It's like a shade of gray with the background. So when you take the non-shadow versions, they like the the rendering looks really weird because it looks too like flat and not it looks like it's been done incorrectly, but it's just the fact that when you isolate out the shadow, the like half pixel border just kind of blends in, so it doesn't look right, but sometimes you just you don't want that because if you if you take the photo if you take the screenshot with the shadow it adds like a 20 percent padding around the entire window uh so sometimes you don't want that but just in terms of aesthetics it definitely looks better when you take it with the shadow on yeah sand shadow is often preferred for me when i'm putting a screenshot in an article and i i don't want it to you know be cramped in with the shadow taking up so much space so and there is a terminal command for also changing the f- output format so like it defaults like png but if you don't care about one-to-one pixel accuracy and you just want you know something a more convenient file to just send around you can use a terminal command to change it from outputting in png to output in jpeg as well so that's just a random screenshot knowledge can you do what is it called webp <laughs> you can't you can't do webp yeah webp if you don't know is is as this terrible terrible format when when you want to download an image from the web um, you'll often get this optimized version called WebP that you can't do anything with. <laughs> it's like it's like Apple's uh, Heek, you know, H-E-I-C. Yeah, like, yeah. Like the, the, the WebP is like Google's version or the standards version uh, the, of an alternative to H-E-I-C. Mm-hmm. And years on since these file formats have been out, most apps, you send them a WebP file, you send them a H-E-I-C file, they're like, we don't have any clue what to do with it. <laughs> Please give us a JPEG or a PNG. Yeah, e- even Preview on the Mac wants to convert it into a .tiff to do anything with it. So I was like, nope, not not doing magazine work here. So no. Yep. What else we got? So I think the next thing we're talking about is music again. So uh, Apple Music Replay. 
what are you what are you thinking about for this topic? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. you're surprising <laughs> me here. <laughs> yeah, the, this is just a really quick shout out because obviously we spoke about this before Christmas when Spotify Wrap comes out. And it's like, why doesn't Apple offer a more competitive option? And there's one day of the year where I feel like Apple Music Replay gets more attention than what Spotify is doing in terms of recapping. And that's the random day in February where Apple decides to launch the Apple Music Replay players for that year because as unsatisfying as Apple's Music Replay is, it does happen continuously throughout the year, whereas like Spotify waits and, you know, in December, they're like, here you go, is a massive look back at the year. But Apple's concept or, or like twist on it was, we're just going to give you an Apple Music playlist that updates automatically every week, every couple of weeks with the music you've been listening to in that year. And in January, there isn't obviously enough days in the in the month to form a playlist, so they wait till February. But it's not like the 1st of February. It's not like the 2nd of February or the first Monday in February. Every year they've done this, it's like a completely random day in February. And then suddenly the, the replay players are up and you can, you know, enjoy your top 100 most played songs for the current year. And that will adapt and continue to evolve throughout the year's songs. So, I mean, like, woohoo! But I really, like, one of these years, it's going to come to December and Apple's going to have something that's way more, you know, way closer to like a Spotify wrapped experience in terms of enjoyment. I hope it's this year, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. Speaking one more time on on, on uh, Siri and, and voice control, last week I had the chance to uh, drive several hours on a Tesla Model 3, and I'm used to driving with CarPlay, uh, which is, you know, the CarPlay screen is, is, is feels like a toy compared to like a Tesla Model 3 screen that's like, huge and has everything on it. But the voice control on a Tesla is really like 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 basic you know it, it's nothing like what siri can do or you know google's or amazon's um it, it was it was described to me as an unadvertised feature that works sometimes um and that gave me a good appreciation for like you know just being able to drive and you know tap a button and, and do all the things that siri can do and the other thing is uh, i don't have like the best vision but i do wear glasses like corrective lenses so i have better than i would normally um, but I had a really hard time following along the maps and like every, everything was just too small on that, on that gigantic Tesla screen, a little bit ironic there. Uh, and so it was a big relief to be back on CarPlay once I got back home. It's like, <laughs> it, it may be smaller, but it's, it's, it's bigger, you know. It's easier to use. Yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. the, the Tesla, I've never actually driven in a Tesla, but, um, everything I've seen that looks like they're cool cars, but the software experience always looks so bad. Like it either looks like, android honeycomb from like 2010 or it looks you know this stuff could be in much better organization and much more well designed like they could really do with some ui uh improvements over there but they've got cool cars so that's what they're riding on for the foreseeable future happy hour is also brought to you this week by zocdoc no one knows what you are looking for in a doctor better than you do but zocdoc is the place to go for all the tools that you need to find that perfect doctor the creators of zocdoc found all the things that weren't working in the healthcare process and said, let's fix it. ZocDoc makes booking a great doctor surprisingly pain-free. It's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour to get the app and sign up for free. You can instantly read up on doctors in your area and see what real humans had to say about their visit with verified patient reviews. Just go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and select whether you want to see the doctor in person or via a video visit. And that's it. You're instantly booked in. You don't need to wait on hold with a receptionist ever again. And you'll be sure that the doctor you've chose can take your insurance. ZocDoc spans the gamut of doctor services with thousands of providers listed in just one app. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or any other type of specialist, ZocDoc has got you covered. Find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. The ZocDoc app has a super clean and simple design, so booking in for an appointment is just as easy as adding an event to your calendar. Every month, millions of people are using ZocDoc. In a chaotic world of healthcare, ZocDoc is your trusted guide to find a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash happy hour, spelt Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash happy hour. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring the show. So, yesterday I was charging my Apple Watch Series 7, 
and uh, it was on the fast charger. And I, I kind of had like a moment of relief of thinking like, this is actually going to charge very quickly with like within the hour and I can just put the watch back on. And it had me thinking the Apple watch is in pretty good shape right now. And, and it made me, you know, write down a note of a story I'll write eventually, but you know, my headline, my working headline is like the Apple watch is in the best shape of its life. Now what? Um, and to me, you know, there are a lot of things that, that Apple's improved since version one, like a lot. And it, it's a pretty mature product now to the point where I, I think that some of the, some of the changes that we'd want to see are bigger than what we would expect. And then, you know, and like, year over year changes you know maybe say like five we're, ten we're just waiting for the year when they get there <laughs> yeah we're just waiting for the year when they get there yeah uh and and so some of those things that made me think this is pretty good shape is, is you know is the, the series seven specific feature which is when you use the the charger that comes with the watch which is um the magnetic charging puck to USB-C with the compatible brick then you get way faster charging than you get otherwise um you you can charge enough to do sleep tracking if within I think like under ten minutes you get enough charge to last of the night. Um, but even in just in general, like you you get you get it's much faster charging compared to to before. Um, you know the downside of that is it's that particular like architecture of, of cable and and so older cables don't do that, including you know some of the multi charging docks, unless they've been made since this was a thing. Uh, and then they're up to spec. Like there are some third party ones that that do work with it, but that's one that was a pretty big deal. And I was thinking, you know, with battery life, the the challenge really is, well, the challenge is just that you have to charge it at all. And so what we'd prefer is never have to charge it. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, okay, well, what if we had to charge it, you know, once a week and you just did it when it was convenient? Um, kind of like with the, the, the Pebble watch from years ago. That's that's how that was. Um and I don't think I don't think we're anywhere close to that either. With 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 how much the watch does, I mean, the Pebble was an e ink screen that did nothing, and and the Apple Watch is you know this, this high resolution screen that does everything. Um, and and so it's like well, we're not going to never have to charge. We're not going to be able to charge just once a week anytime soon. And and so you know what's what's the next you know speed you know increase there? Well, maybe just even faster charging. But I think that, that what we just got was probably what we're going to see for a while. Um, and and. You know, the other, other idea I had is, is, you know, the screen keeps getting better. You know, it's, it's changed a few times now. Um, but it kind of takes over the whole watch face now in, in terms of, you know, looking, looking at the watch, you know, there's very little, um, you know, what you think of as bezel anymore. You, you know, the series four through six was pretty impressive to us. It was, you know, that, that's what we kind of considered the full screen design at the time. And, and then it just took the series seven to make that look a little bit more dated in comparison. So, you know, what's the next uh, innovation and in, in screen that we'll see on the Apple Watch? Um, they, they've increased the size, you know, in terms of like the, the case sizes and they've increased the screen in terms of, you know, reducing the bezel and everything. But I think from for that, I, I don't know what we would predict next unless they do. Um, what is it? Mini LED? I always get them backwards. Micro but, LED. Micro Mini LED, LED is what we currently have on like the iPad and the MacBook Pro. Okay. So micro LED, which... Um, is what's rumored Apple's developing to come to the watch first. Come to the watch first, right? Because it's lower, it's smaller screens. Small. And, yeah. 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 Uh, what's the benefit there though? Because Apple watches always use OLED, which has been, I, you know, it makes it good <laughs> in my opinion. What, I think what, thinner, thinner. Thinner. It, okay. It so that's pretty big. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is one of the things where we, we have not seen the watch get thinner year over year. And that was, um, yeah, aside from like stretching it out, but it, it, some some years it got well, it's actually got thicker. thicker. Yeah, some years it's gotten thicker. Um, so so <laughs> okay, once that comes about, then that's that's pretty good. But but even then, you're you're think you're, it's less about the screen and more about the benefit of well, the watch now can be thinner. Um, you know, so so I think in terms of the screen, we're pretty good for a while, unless they do some major change that I just can't think of. Um, yeah, I think screen quality is um, everything was very happy with. But one thing I would. And I don't know if you can't just screen or just like the touch sensor. I guess they're all in one thing. I wish Apple could work out a way to have the Apple Watch still work when it gets wet. Hmm. Because yeah. I wash, I'm like, one of the biggest times when I'm using the Apple Watch is when I'm doing the dishes after dinner. Because I leave my phone like in the office or whatever. We have dinner, then I'll go to wash up. And you text me, somebody texts me. And I just want to like reply nice and quickly. And. I try and touch the screen and my fingers are wet because I've been washing up and it just can't do it. It just it just 
glitches out. Or you can't cl- reliably tap on anything when it's like that. So if they could find a way where, even if it wasn't like perfect touch recognition compared to when your your fingers are completely dry, but just decent enough so you can reliably touch decently sized targets so i can you know reply with a tap back or just do one of the stock answers because when your fingers are wet most of the time if you just want to reply back yes okay or something you just can't do it so i'd love to see that but i don't know how possible that is <laughs> right right yeah and and so you know that's, that's kind of the idea is is we also I think a lot of people will react to the apple watch series 7 as well that's that's not very exciting it's kind of boring and and that's in large part to the idea that you know the rumors were it's going to get a different case design and mm-hmm. that, that you know goes from this this rounded edges to something you know boxier which who knows if that would have been better or worse i i think on the iphone side right now i i prefer the, <laughs> right now i think i prefer like the rounded edges iphones to the, to the boxy iphones that we've got you know in, in the flagships um and and i think it's not just because it's different but because i think that's just the rounded edges just feel better in the hand and i think i think we're for that um so so who knows if you know more people would like a different design or if it's just the fact that it's a, a different design than for the first time really ever. Um, but it made me think of, you know, when, when the iPhone six and six plus came about, I think Steve, uh, Tim, Tim cook was like, well, the iPhone's mature enough now that we can, um, you know, do different lines of iPhones for the first time. That's sort of how justified it. And I think for the watch that, you know, you've always had two sizes, you know, small, smaller and larger, and you've always had different case materials, but we haven't had like this is a very different watch from this watch, you know, in the same year. So if if we that's something I could, I could see coming, in the, and there are rumors of like the the rugged explorer edition, the rugged one, yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's one, um, you know, the uh, e- even like just kind of the opposite end of that is is just a. a even cheaper version, you know, if they could do like a plastic polycarbonate version, um, that that's, you know, even cheaper than, than aluminum. That could be interesting. Yeah. Or even something that doesn't have like a full screen. It's more like a band and it's just meant for, you know, fitness and it like vibrates or it just shows an icon for when you get a notification or something. Cause a lot of people out there, they love like the Apple watch. They like the activity rings and stuff, but you don't always like, it's not even like a, a one or the other. I could see people having both. And if you're just going out for, you know, uh, uh, if you're going out to a nice dinner, the Apple Watch, sometimes people don't want to wear it for fashion reasons and stuff. So whereas if you have a little band, you can like hide it up the top of your arm when it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get in the way as much. Or if you're just going for a run, you don't necessarily want to carry your Apple Watch around. You can just have a little band. Like I definitely think there's a, there's a, there's a, a form factor of like iPod Shuffle compared to iPod Nano, which is what I consider the Apple Watch to be. And maybe there's also an iPod Classic either going even, and maybe that's the rugged version, right? In terms of like the analogy to the Apple Watch. Yeah, uh, I think that the last idea I had here was that, that that just how to improve the Apple Watch in general for the most amount of people. If if you're not going to do so anything, watch faces, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but but if you if you uh, if you included cellular on every model in the way that for one year GPS was a uh, the, the premium model exclusive, and then it was was included from there on out. Even if it's not used, so to access cellular is is a service, but just to include the antenna in, in the watch, um, is it is it really a hundred dollars more for Apple to do? I know we've seen in, in iPads it can be less than a hundred dollars difference between models. Um, I'm I'm just guessing it's not a hundred dollar difference, and then it is no. included in all of the steel models and, and other case materials. But on on the aluminum, you know, the entry level models, you have to decide. You know, I think for a forty four millimeter. Series seven, it's four twenty nine, and then it's without cellular, and then it's five twenty nine for cellular. And I have to imagine a lot of people go for models without cellular. Like I would say, I would, my guess would be more people have models without a cellular connection than with when one hundred percent when they're choosing people. I mean, even if you had to choose that for a stainless steel, people would do the same thing. They're like, "Am I really going to use this? We're going to save a hundred bucks or something?" You know. So if every model included cellular, I know they have they haven't done that with the with the the iPad. It's still an option. Um, on every model, but in this case, it feels like just just to overall improve the product, you can think of an Apple Watch. Every Apple Watch can be connected to a phone connection or you know a cellular connection and work without your phone, um, and and that could be pretty good for marketing too because you think of all the the scenarios where the Apple Watch you know comes in handy in terms of like a safety feature, um, and a lot of that right now is reliant on you you know it, this can work for you if you have a cellular connection or your phone's nearby. And it uses that connection. 
Um, and, and it, it could also be good for, you know, making the watch more independent from the phone, which is slowly the direction we're getting, getting going toward. Um, and then like majorly from the cellular front, you know, if, if I would say I, I describe this thing as improve the carrier arrangements for what sailor costs, because right now I believe it's, I think it's base $10 a month for sailor access. That's what the carriers have all sort of agreed to. And then with taxes and fees, it's more like 15 or 20. Like it's, it, it's, a, it's a lot. And so, um, you know, it's a lot on top of having to pay a hundred dollars extra for the watch itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so somewhere in there, besides just giving it all away for free, there's probably a middle ground that I think would be, this is not a major change to the watch hardware, but it is a major change to the watch experience that that could be improved. And so like you think maybe Apple could do some, you know, business fangling and like agree a deal with the carriers where like, okay, we'll, you subsidize part of the cost. So we'll bring the cost of the cellular down. Uh, you know, or we'll make the cellular no extra charge, but in exchange, you have to bring the cost, the price of adding on to your phone plan down. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. So there's some middle ground where everyone ends up making more money, or, or maybe there's an arrangement where you know Apple makes cellular f- a free model, but then they start doing like revenue sharing with the actual sales of the feature on on the plans. So that's how they get their money back somewhere. Because it definitely like I buy, I don't buy GPS to cellular models. Uh, and I just think it's too expensive. Like, if it was just $100 extra and you just didn't have to pay any more per month, yeah, I'd probably do it. But the per month fee just to use the Apple Watch on cellular, it comes in handy and it's nice, but I can't, like... I I mean, I'm in a situation where my, my phone SIM is less than $10 a month. Like, <laughs> in the UK, obviously, it's a... You know, the structures of this stuff is way different to America, but it's like, we can get SIM-only plans that are literally... Seven pound a month, eight pound a month, and have gigs of gigabytes of data and stuff. And those plans, they don't support the Apple Watch at all, because you have to. If you want to have an Apple Watch plan, you have to go to like one of the more traditional carriers and pay, you know, twenty, thirty pounds a month, and then you can add on an Apple Watch for like five pound extra. So like the difference between me having a cellular Apple Watch is actually usable and what I pay right now, it would be like thirty quid more per month just to have the Apple Watch on cellular. It's like insane, insane data. So yeah, I. I there's definitely something they can do there. And, and similar lines, the dis- the display being Ionix glass on the base model rather than Sapphire. Sure. Like, that's another thing where it's like, the Ionix glass version, it gets scratched a lot. Uh, but do you really want to pay all that extra to go to the stainless steel version just to get the Ionix, just to get the Sapphire glass? Like, could they not offer, like, even if they can't include it for free, could they not offer like a middle ground option where you can get the, you can basically do an upsell on the glass that comes with your you with your watch if it was like you know forty dollars more and you get sapphire glass instead of ionix glass i'd buy that like right now i just buy the base model um base model uh smallest size because my wrist is small but if there were because uh, i don't want to spend all the extra to go up to stainless steel because i like having a watch that is cheap enough that you know if it breaks i don't have to i don't feel too bad about it you know whereas if i start buying the steel models or the ceramic models and stuff it's like now i'm now i'm got something fairly expensive that is still quite easily breakable or losable and stuff uh, but if they if i could pay like 40 dollars extra or 30 quid extra or a little bit more and just have a screen upgrade to the stronger glass i'd, I'd buy that every month i'd, buy, I'd pay for that every uh time i upgrade my watch so yeah uh, the apple watch it's in a good spot yeah it, it's it's good where do you go from where do you go from good you know yeah where do you go <laughs> from good is, is a nice way of putting it finally this week happy hour is brought to you by new relic as well as doing this podcast, I'm an app developer. I make apps. And if you're a software engineer like me, you'll relate to this story. It's late at night. You're unwinding. You get ready for bed. And bing, 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 bing. Your phone is buzzing because something has gone wrong. Your team's going crazy because the app isn't working. Maybe the server's down. You know, maybe the database layer is screwing out. The queries aren't executing as they should be. A deploy went bad. Whatever it is, there's a mad scramble to try and work out what has actually gone wrong. Modern software is so complicated and there's so many layers of the stack that could be at fault. What New Relic does is it offers comprehensive and a precise system monitoring so you can quickly hone in on the problem and fix it. You don't want to have to need to deploy the entire team messaging each other to try and debug the issue going back and forth when you just want to clock off for the night. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally have to buy separately in an all-in-one offering, so engineering teams across the front end and the back end can see the entire software stack in one place and isolate what has gone wrong quickly. And that's why the dev and ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. 
Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9pm call is just waiting to happen, so get New Relic before it does. And you can get access to the whole New Relic platform with 100 gigabytes of data for free, forever, no credit card required. Just sign up at newrelic.com slash happy hour. That's newrelic.com slash happy hour. N-E-W-R-E-P-L-I-C dot com slash happy hour. One more time, newrelic.com slash happy hour. Thanks to New Relic for sponsoring the show. All right. Now we have iOS 15.4. There's some differences here that we've ran this week. So this, this is news. This isn't just thought stuff, right? This, this is, is a, this is some news. This is a news, but it's f- incredibly minor. What incredibly What are your thoughts minor. on this news? <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, they're nice improvements, but iOS 15.4 is a pretty nothing of an update, apart from the fact that it includes the tap to pay stuff, right? So that's going to start rolling out when this comes out. But there's, we talked about a few little little improvements they've done to 15.4, uh, and you know people keep discovering more and they keep adding more in the successive betas. Uh, one thing in this beta is if you're if you ever had that thing in Safari where you're using like the Safari password manager and like keychain and stuff, and you have to change your password on the website, but when you change the password, it doesn't update in keychain because it doesn't see like. It, it doesn't recognize that the page you're on is like a web, it's like a password reset page. Yeah. And the, one of the main reasons why that is, is because a lot of websites on the password reset page, they only have a password field. They don't have a username field. And the way the, uh, like, act like keychain and these other like autofill systems kind of have to work on heuristics is they have to look for like username and password. And so before iOS 3.4, if Safari didn't, know in the current context or could have a decent guess at what the username is for this password that you've just entered it just wouldn't do anything so that was kind of a, a dead end but what they're doing in 15.4 is i think intelligently it will pop up a dialogue saying what username is this password for so the password will be pre-filled based on what you just you know reset but then you have to confirm and type in your account username and then you can press save and it will get updated directly to the keychain I mean, you could do this manually, obviously, by copy and paste the password, go into settings, scroll all the way down, find the existing password entry for the website, press edit, you know, change the password, enter the username, save it, go back. But the fact that it's going to be like presented proactively to a user, it just eliminates a whole slew of cases where people people's like actual working set of passwords and what they've saved into the iCloud keychain got way out of sync uh, because of just the way the heuristics work. Yeah, you'd, you'd have nice. you'd have one with the username and password and website, and you'd have one with just the password. Which yep, the the empty password was the current one, and the other one would just fail every time. You're like, what's what's going on? So that, that's cool. That's cool. In podcasts, on the like sh- when you go to the show screen where it shows you like the information for a podcast and the list of episodes, they've now added some interesting like filtering options in the like list so it where it says like episodes and see all next to the episodes title there's now a little like disclosure triangle and when you click on that there's a menu and it, you can see all episodes you can see only unplayed episodes you can see only downloaded episodes or you can see only played episodes and these filters exist if you go to the like the library tab and you can choose like downloaded only from that main view but now you can kind of do it from like the inverse out by going to the show and then filtering from there. So just a little bit more flexibility, uh, quite a nice feature. And if a show has, if a podcast has seasons, that little drop-down arrow will also show all the seasons so you can quickly jump to a season instead of having to do like the endless scroll, which is nice. And then in the TV app, the TV app has a very minor change. This this setting was in the first beta, but it was didn't do anything. It wasn't working yet. And what it is, if you go settings TV, you scroll all the way down, one of the options is called Up Next Display, and it defaults to still frame, but you have the choice of still frame or poster art. And what this means is when you're looking at your Up Next queue, you're either going to see, like, by default, well, how it normally works, you see the still frame, which is like a, a snapshot from the episode. So each each new episode will have a different photo in the Up Next queue. But some people don't like that because of spoilers, because sometimes the images they choose show characters that maybe you wouldn't have known were in the episode otherwise or you just don't like the fact that 
you have your favorite show, but you can't easily recognize it by seeing the same image every single time because the image always changes each new episode. Well, now there's an option you can change to still f- to poster art, and it will only show the like the actual artwork for the show, which is obviously the same regardless of what episode it's referring to. Yeah, I think we think this one we talked about. So <laughs> because I was did we actually talk? I, I think we might have talked about it before it wasn't be- before it works, maybe before it worked. Yeah, because okay, so it only started working this beta. So. What are your thoughts on it working now? <laughs> good. I mean, it works. <laughs> yeah, because my my example that I that I have is that um, CBS Evening News will be like a really low resolution expanded image that isn't very flattering. <laughs> so uh, I turned it on and it's like it's cool, uh, but. I almost kind of wish it was like more dynamic. Like if you're in the app, it kind of shows you the poster art for the show. But then if you like hover over it, it then shows you the preview of the episode. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not like one or the other. You can almost get the best of both worlds because I don't have the spoiler concerns, but I do have the like, I'm just scanning my own app's queue. What show is this exactly? And like now it's like you're only going to see the same show art every single time, which is good for identification. But if you then want to get like a sense of the, what's actually in the episode you're out of luck so. this feels like a change to the apple tv software that is getting pretty granular in terms of like you're, you're solving problems that are not going to affect the most amount of people yeah like mm-hmm. which is good unless unless you're like you and you want the tv to be changed in a big fundamental way i mean that's the thing like out, out of the priority list of stuff to work on was this really like pressing <laughs> Was this really what people were talking about the bit? I for? think that oh. your big TV redesign is going to be like this. It's going to be small pieces and point updates, not like TVOS. 50, I don't know. I was going to say 15 to be like a big number, but I guess we're already past that. We're already um, at 16. Yeah. yeah TVOS yeah, 25. Yeah, I, I think practically yeah. you're right. Like, they're not going to. I mean, they kind of do Apple Music, though, right? Like, if you think all the way back, 2015 Apple Music was kind of rough in its design and they like majorly revamped it like twice (laughs) you know they they did a decent overhaul in 2016 and then 2017 when they had the um infamous keynote with uh bazoma st john right where they had you know she had everyone dancing and stuff like that that year they did a whole big redesign and that's how app music looks today with you know the bolder titles and the two by two columns and the live the live lyrics and stuff like that Design was a big change from the previous year, and I've been ho- holding out and hoping that that same kind of pattern would happen would happen with the TV app, especially obviously after TV Plus launch. But you know, we're two years on now from TV Plus launching, and they haven't really shown much momentum in in that direction. And to be fair to them, in the last year, there have been decent piecemeal improvements. Right, like they added the TV Plus tab, which was a big step in the right direction. Uh, they added the store tab, which is a you know a, a sign that they go in the right direction. Although the store content still exists in the other tab, so it's not a huge win. But that's a that's a you know adding two new tabs is a big change compared to how much progress the TV app made before that. And now they're adding you know they've added a few other little improvements. They've upgraded the website very very slightly. Like the website is by far the worst TV app version, uh, which you can get at tvapp.apple.com, and most people don't even exist, but. You know, until a couple of months ago, you couldn't even like see uh, the categories. It would just be one by one. Here's a show. Here's a show. So you have to scroll a hundred times if you want to find the thing at the bottom. Now they've upgraded it so it looks more like the home screen of like an iPad, where you have you know the the what's the latest releases and the the different genres and the films, the rows, and so that's there. But the TV website still lacks like a search bar, detail pages of categories or your up next queue like from the website you can add a show to your up next queue but you can't see your up next queue so there's no way to resume playing from where you are from the website which is insane uh the app experiences are luckily better than what the website's in but they're still using the tv app on any platform but it's just doesn't feel satisfying it feels like a chore and i really hope there's going to be a massive upgrade that resolves that but i think sadly you're kind of right that piece by piece they're improving bits but i don't know if it's ever going to be if they only ever include little bits and add keep adding stuff rather than like actually rethinking the overall design i'm not sure they're ever going to get to a point where it's like truly good enough and it's only becoming more and more problematic as the actual content of tv plus expands like having all your content in that one tab with you know no like tertiary navigation or different filtering and stuff like it just becomes overwhelming like they 
the TV Plus right now has like a hundred titles, and then about ten more coming out in the next over the next like two months. They're they're almost at the breaking point of what can be shown in that single tab without you like ever being able to find anything at all. So every single month it gets more and more pressing for them to actually treat the TV app better, and they just haven't done it yet. I'll keep holding out hope. The the still frame or poster art setting isn't going to change. You know, like of my five big problems with the TV app, the still frame versus poster art thing was not even on the on the radar. Uh, so I don't I don't know. Like I, I I can at least take happiness in that they're giving it attention, right? Like if they did nothing at all to it, that would be the worst outcome. But they are doing stuff, which makes me think they could be doing bigger stuff behind the scenes that isn't ready yet. But we we won't know that till it's till it's announced. Yeah, I, I think I like the Apple Music app on the TV better than on the phone. I think it's really yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, the bigger screen helps, but but I've I've been, lately I've been a little bit frustrated at at how much navigation it takes me to get to something specific that I'm thinking about, and without just searching for it or asking, you know, using Siri. Um, and, and then I use it on the Apple TV, and it's like, oh, really, really clear hierarchy, you know, <laughs> from the top. The, down. the tab design on the Apple TV, like, actually does help. You are right on that in, yeah. that, in that regard. Like, it looks and and. It would almost be nice if the iPad kind of looked like that too, but it doesn't. Um, the big problem with like Apple's services apps in general is they just they kind of like hide buttons to like jump around or navigate. Like on the this is whether you're talking about like TV or music. If you go into like the browse tab, the top of the screen it says browse, and that's the entire navigation bar. Like there's no options there to jump to a subcategory, jump to like a wish list or favorites. Some of those features exist, but to get to them, you have to scroll. Like it's like almost like a one-dimensional experience. Like when you're in a tab, your only option is to scroll and tap. They ha- they don't have that like, like second dimension of like filtering or, or or drilling down. So that's a big problem for them that they haven't addressed today. But I hope they do. <laughs> so, something else on the on the TV Apple TV like is uh, that that show the after party. <laughs> I was skeptical on it. Oh, the thing I recommended though a week ago. Yeah, yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, I was skeptical on it, and I've been—I watched the first three, and I think the fourth one came out last week. Now the fifth one will be out. I've been enjoying it. I have been. It's, it's good. good. It is good. So if, I hope they don't like screw up the ending because you know it can be good, 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 and then the ending is unsatisfactory. But y- yeah, that is a a concern. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a risk. I, it has been pretty widely spread that the ending isn't like a some like the conclusion of who the killer is isn't something that is unfair as in like there are enough clues in the episodes that supposedly you should be able to have some hints about who it is and when they do reveal it it's not like a you know this is just so left field or you know the cat did it or he killed himself do you know what i mean like some some ridiculous explanation that kind of defeats the point of the mystery so i'm and we won't know for sure until that episode is actually released but i'm holding out hope that it's going to end as well as it started let's put it that way yeah that show's got some depth to it that i didn't expect I, i i will send you i'll i'll uh send you a link after the show because if you go to the after there's a subreddit for the after party right okay and you, they have some crazy deep easter eggs and 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 secrets like encoded in like the posters on the wall on the backgrounds of the walls like Ooh. some cr- like in, in, I, I didn't believe how deep it was but there's 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 like a thousand people in this subreddit who have found so much code cracking and little signs and special throwbacks like it'll all come to nothing if the conclusion at the eighth episode is terrible but there's so many little like you know red herrings and and code cracking stuff that's actually in those episodes that most people will never even know about unless you like found the subreddit where people are dissecting it because it's crazy but even if you don't care about any of that the show's still good which is nice the the reddit detectives need a podcast because i would listen to like the theories yeah apple's been doing a lot of podcasts with their TV Plus recently, but they didn't do one for the after party. Even though yeah, I, like I just think someone like that enjoys the show should do a podcast on it, like every week, mm, take, take yeah, their theories be... and just and, and talk about it until. Yeah, I hope it gets a... renewed because so far the season one stuff has been very promising. It's got good reviews and stuff, so I think they could easily redo the format with a different story and a different like murder mystery, but do the same thing where you get like different genres and different casts and stuff. So I think I, th- I think it will get season two. So. Yeah, my, my I don't know if it's kid appropriate, but but my nine year old was in the room. Yesterday, when I was watching the last episode, latest episode, mm-hmm. and um, when it was over, she was like, "I want to watch the next one." It is now, like it, it, it is like aimed at adults, but isn't there's nothing like crazy offensive in? Like you could probably watch it with younger with supervision, you know. Like sure. there's nothing, there's nothing crazy. Like there's no like 
you know blatant sex scenes and stuff like that so yeah yeah it's uh it's nice yeah and the fourth episode you haven't seen yet is what they do like a throwback to the high school reunion no i've seen that one yeah Okay, yeah. So that was the last. That was the most recent episode that's come out. So yeah, and and when I when I saw that, I was like, you know, they show you the the next one coming as like a you know a picture and a description and everything, and I was like, oh no, this is going to be a whole episode at a time where it's like takes you out of the sequence of what's happening, you know. And mm-hmm. they just, but it wasn't even like that. It was like you know, it was done very well. I was not. Yeah, they did a throwback, but actually giving you good context. It didn't feel like a random bottle episode. Yeah. Yep. 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 So the after party. Who knew? It was a good. Good show. Um, if you, if you really like our opinions and our thoughts, this, this week you can go to sixcolors.com and see Jason Snell's annual Apple report card where Benjamin and I are both featured. I think we've been doing this for three or four years now. Yeah. Three um, years, I think. Yeah. 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 And, uh, th- this year, a lot of, a lot of what we say is, is, is featured. I think almost everything that we, that we wrote. And, um, it's, yeah, it's good. I like it this year my strategy was different from previous years where like I'll, I'll give each question, you know, a good bit of thought and, 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 and feedback on uh, this, this one is like, if this was a tweet, what would I say? You know, how many one liners can I pull off? And uh, I was satisfied by that. <laughs> Re- reading back over it, I was like, Hmm, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know. Yep. All right. That is the show for this week. If you have any feedback, you can email uh, us together at happy hour at nine to five Mac dot com. You can follow me on Twitter at Apollo Zach. That's A P O L L O Z A C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at B Z A Mayo. And uh, we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye bye.